to me, I still see solid distribution, whether it is in the intermarket, also in the macro. There's no reason to really be sustainable as this Fed pivot mantra when we have the threat of higher oil and sticky inflation and wage demand is it's not going away. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. The following podcast contains options related material. Prior to listening to today's podcast, all listeners should read and familiarize themselves with the characteristics and risks of standardized options or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Sosnick, Chief Strategist at Interactive Brokers, and welcome to the latest edition of IBKR Podcasts. Today, my guest is Samantha LaDuc, the first repeat guest that I've had, actually, well, other than Thomas Petterfee, the first repeat guest that I've had on. Um, Honored. Thank you. And Samantha runs LaDuc Trading. Um, she and I have um, conversed a lot about the markets, and um, we're going to, I hope I'll enjoy the latest conversation that, uh, that she and I have now. Um, Samantha, I'm going to throw it open to you. Just give me your basic, your basic take on markets as we stand here around the beginning of the fourth quarter. Well, middle, right. I guess well, actually, got... let me rephrase that. Okay. As we get to the middle of the the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, this is definitely uh, we just passed a month for the record books, right? So best October for for the Dow Jones since what 1896. And from the October 13th lows, we rallied 12% in 12 days. So before kind of easing into this end of month, why? Because we have FOMC, obviously, tomorrow. This I know this tapes a little bit early, but we have a whole bunch of market-moving news coming up, not just the Fed and the ECB on Thursday and non-farm payrolls on Friday and next week, um, midterm elections and then CPI on the 10th. So lots and lots of drama. Into that, we've had a front-running kind of rally based on the perception of a Fed pause or pivot. I think at the very best, in a nutshell, we might get a step down, which I think will be uh, reversed later, but that's not a pivot, it's not a pause. Um, for the most part, we definitely had a very strong move off that, off that you know, October 13th low that was triggered by short covering and then infamous Bank of Japan uh, intervention, five to six trillion in yen to support the markets on Friday morning, the 21st of October, which really, really um, caused CTAs to, you know, to buy to cover um, and a lot of FOMO. So there was a crash up basically and uh, a scurrying for upside calls. And that is basically also for the record books. We basically have this right tail move in kind of the option uh, market or the market structure with folks that were terrified of missing the pivot rally. <laughs> so we had a massive upside versus downside um, pivot on not just the 13th, but also that 21st when um, literally the day before I had given clients and also um, on Twitter a warning that literally, quote unquote, brace for impact if bulls don't defend here, unquote. So end quote. So that was literally my warning on Thursday, and then it just so happened the next morning we had a massive uh, Bank of Japan yen uh, intervention, 
And then we also had the Treasury uh, Secretary Yellen floating this theme of Treasury buybacks. So that put a stay of execution in the bond market, which had been crashing solidly, right? So we've had this, um, I would call it a stay of execution, not a pardon, in the uh, the bond, let's just say, stabilization. Um, and with that, we had a pullback in the dollar yen. And basically, that helped to create some softness in yields, some softness in the dollar, and that just spurred this uh, risk-on rally. So we've had quite a two-week return that is now starting to, let's just say, digest and worry that perhaps the Fed is not going to pause as they have been pricing in um, the past few weeks and won't pivot either because inflation is very sticky everywhere from wage demand growth, you know, right straight through to um, PCE and ISM and prices paid and um, on and on. So there is still, I think, way too much hopium in this Fed pivot. And I think you have kind of agree on that point. Well, I'm going to throw a phrase out at you that I, I don't know if I've used on you before, but pause is the new pivot. Do you, do you feel that that might be the case? That I think right now the um, people are looking so hard for anything that might come from the Fed in terms of in terms of rhetoric. You know, I, I, I when the bank of when the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, didn't mm -hmm. didn't raise rates as much as they were expected to um, a couple of meetings ago, and then Bank of Canada yeah. didn't. Um, I, I I asked people, had you ever even heard of the RBA before? You know, before you use that as your bullish motivator. The other one I'm going to throw at you is that I've used as well is FOMO is a terrible motivator. And you brought up FOMO as well. And I'd like, you know, it's sort of like your opinion as to is FOMO fear or is it greed or is it sort of some weird mix of both? It's lack of perspective on positioning that is longer term. It is short termism. So you have this massive um, options market now, right? That is the flea on the tail of the dog that's actually moving the underlying. So the options market has basically this regime shift of day traders, whether they be retail or institutional, you know, 48% of options traded are weeklies, right? They're, they're now these zero uh, to one days till expiry. I call it destination till empty, which is basically uh, what's driving the quants and the CTAs to be mathematically and mechanically buying and selling. It's taken all the fun out of it. So <laughs> basically, as long as you can follow the quants and the, and, and the CTAs, you know, macro still matters. I think the market big picture is all about a higher yield regime, uh, rate regime and yield curve inversion, recession risk and, you know, economic growth slowdown and earnings peak valuation for earnings and, you know, earnings also slowing down moving forward. But for right now, there's just so much market structure that's driven by the optionality of these CTAs and quants. And it absolutely is in coordination with, as you just said, RBA, Bank of Canada underwhelmed with a 50 basis point hike instead of 75 with, you know, um, ECB, we're going to stop the tightening, QT. Then you have the Fed Treasury floating that article, not once, not twice, but three times you know, over the weekend. Yes. So on Monday, we had no choice but to to rally and move higher and then more bank of japan easing i mean their last easing in fact the stimulus that they pulled was 10 times that of the intervention that they had just put in 
the prior week, yes. right, to backstop their bond market on the 21st. It's pure and simple. It's, it's, you know, as far as a manipulation, but it is absolutely tradable. So, you know, we have to now try and guess what happens for this Fed meeting. And we've had, you know, this Fed whisperer pivot, the pivot, and then pivot again and pivot again on in regards to what the Fed is really trying to telegraph and have the market interpret. So there's a lot of this, let's just say, fear of missing the rally on a pause that could bring us higher. And I can see technically that reason. I mean, we could see that obviously in the, the technicals, yes. um, but it's not in the macro, it's not in the fundamental, it's most certainly not in my intermarket, which is my you know, mainstay of interpretation of what's happening in the market. Well, actually, that would be that was really where I was going to try to go anyway. Was the inter was your you're very good at the intermarket analysis, and That's and let me and let me tie it into sort of the the day trading that you mentioned. Do you do you find that the intermarket analysis gi gives you better signals for counter trend tra for you know counter trading or for you know since the trends can last as little as an hour and a half at this point mm -hmm. if everybody's trading shorter options. How do you how do you use that? How do you do you do you fade moves or do you jump on them or some of each? So I always move back in time first and foremost, meaning I look at the trend because I want to swim with the current, not against it. And I think that's much more powerful. And then, by the way, that's kind of on a, a month and a weekly basis where you yep. have a sustainable direction. Once that starts to go into distribution, I can see it in my intermarket analysis. I call it the sold to you rally. We talked about that from the very top <laughs> yes. over. Uh -huh. They weren't, why hedge what you're selling, right? So they were just, it was a sold to you market. So solid distribution all the way through to the FANG stocks, every single one but Apple last general standing, right? Yep. So we have this, this situation where intermarket, in my opinion, shows very clearly under the surface the distribution from a larger time frame. And I do my comparisons with the yield, right, across the market indices, the, the dollar yen, uh, volatility, you know, and on and on. And it all says the same thing, bear market rally for March. Again, in June, a little one. Uh, again, July 15th through August 16th, bear market rally. And this one as well, it says bear market rally. So there's nothing been compelling in my intermarket analysis on any, you know, trend or swing time frame that says this is safe. It says we're gonna have a short covering rally that can turn into some power that will then be short the rips. So the question is how far will this particular short covering rally move, right? Could it mm -hmm. go into that 4130 area? That's my upside measured move target for this rotation on mechanical flows alone, right? Or can we just basically agree that the Fed is trapped and that no matter what they do, yields are going to pop up like a daisy and oil with it. And then all bets are off. Yeah. Well, that that's really, you know, that that to me is the is the big crux of the question. Ultimately, I, I, I I've been saying this for quite some time. I think the, the listeners who, who've, you know, are probably tired of hearing me say this. But if you if, if don't fight the Fed was your mantra on the whole way up, it has to it has to apply on the way down. And, and my bigger concern is we've barely seen QT get started. QT, the QT has been in place for maybe a month and a half. It's really not, the balance sheet isn't really typically shrinking by about $95 billion a month, although they're 
that's, you know, there is some natural growth to it as the economy grows. I grant that, so you're not going to see it. But deflating the balloon is more fraught with risk than inflating it, or at least the, the risks, you know, imminent risk. Um, and we've seen that. We saw, you know, with the, ba the Bank of England had to step in. The Bank of Japan had to step in. Um, I, I think people, you know, misunderstand the Fed put um, as being something that the Fed's going to step in if stocks sink. I, I'd like your opinion on this. Mine is that the Fed put has nothing to do with stocks. It, 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 st st stocks, are no. stocks are collateral. It's a, to the extent that stocks, that, that a stock market decline um, creates problems in the credit cycle or the credit markets or the banking system, or to the extent that a stock market decline reflects that, sure, then the Fed comes in. But but basically, it's not the Fed's not set up to keep equity markets propel, propped. You know, I don't know what their true motivation is. All I can do is what is track what they keep saying, which is just before we're going over the precipice. And there are very clear indicators for me of when I warn, right? Brace for impact if bulls mm -hmm. don't defend here. By golly, they show up. They show up with some teaser Wall Street Journal article or some Yellen statement about talking about talking about treasury buybacks, or lo and behold, there's a massive yen intervention by the Bank of Japan. Seriously, yeah. it's as if they want to make sure there's a soft landing, right? And this is they're still gonna we're still gonna go lower. We're still making lower lows on a you know on a weekly, lower highs on a weekly. I mean, we're still bear market rallying ourselves down the mountain. We talked about that right yep. last. I don't know when it was, um, um, March when we spoke. To me, we danced up the mountain and now we're dancing down. So to me, I still see solid distribution, whether it is in the intermarket, also in the macro. There's no reason to really be sustainable as this Fed pivot mantra when we have the threat of higher oil and sticky inflation and wage demand is not going away. And then we have this you know, underwhelming uh, narrative of who's buying this rally anyway. Stock buybacks, you know, they're pretty firm into the end of the year. CTAs, okay, but they're not, you know, I don't want to say real buyers, but yeah. <laughs> there's not a committed cadre of, of treasury buyers stepping in, right? It's, it's basically this soft landing uh, approach to going lower over time instead of over the cliff all at once. Well, I certainly understand the motivation for using moral suasion or however you want to put it because they don't want a hard nobody wants a hard landing i, th I think that that's that goes out of the question one thing you you mentioned you know sort of the three-month cyclicality and i wrote something at the end of october which which stunned me because i was just sort of like wait the numbers october seems a lot like july and i actually ran the numbers for s p and the monthly returns in june and july and the monthly peak to trough drawdown, et cetera, high low ranges for both for June, July were almost June was almost identical to September, and October was almost identical to July. Now, granted that granted the the Dow got so much attention because the Dow was yeah, so did. stunning, but when yeah. I prefer to think about market cap weighted index rather than the Dow, which is price weighted, aka randomly weighted. Um, mm -hmm. But when you, when I looked at the S and P, they were the 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 returns were almost identical. How much do you look at? I know you look at cyclicality in your in your studies and your work. 
How much does it come into play? Because I do think that both in both cases, we had events coming into the end of the quarter that were then resolved at the end of the quarter. And then, you know, and then things sort of eased both, both a combination of earnings, earnings over pessimism that didn't resolve itself in both cases. How much do you get into the cyclical aspect of it? I wish that was a, a, a strength, honestly. The, um, the fact is I don't, I find, find that fascinating. Like I didn't know that. It doesn't seem so random. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I, you know, what I am watching in regards to kind of regular rotation in skew being extremely depressed and then it pops up, right? Outliers revert or VIX has fallen into its 200 day and that's a good place um, that it seems to kind of keep gyrating toward and then it pops up. So, I mean, there are natural kind of occurrences within uh, the volatility structure that I'm watching that are very cyclical. But right now, the, the most gripping cyclical feature of this market is seasonality, right? And folks are very excited about the Santa rally, so-called for this end of year run. And then they're going to somehow time this with precision to get out before a massive fall in 2023. That always cracks me up. Like, really, this is this is going to be tested, right, with midterm elections. Will we have some changes that will impact this uh, this cyclical nature of our year end run? Sometimes we have definitely had such an outsized run, like the 13 year uh, Nasdaq outperformance, right? Mm -hmm. And now that was my big call at the beginning of the year that we were going to reverse, that NASDAQ would underperform. So I guess that is the, that's the big picture seasonality. I, I, yeah. But I don't study everything on no. a cyclical nature. No one can, no one can. It has to be an outlier. For me, outliers are interesting, but extreme outliers revert with velocity. And it's those reversions that I'm very excited about. One thing I will Trading. say, of, there's plenty to be excited about. One one thing one thing that I will point out here is the last midterm election was 2018. That was also the last time the Fed was raising rates and QT was in effect at the same time. That did not, you know, I think people were sort of hoping for that end of the year bounce, and that was that was one of the worst year ends we've had in a long time. It ended only when the Fed came out at the December meeting and said, "We are done." Now, the Fed can't really do that now quite to the same extent because they, they didn't have to worry about inflation so much. 100%. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, th- this is this is very, you know, the idea, weird story here, but for my master's thesis, I, I studied, it was, it was called decision sciences at the time, along with finance. And, and um, the it's now called behavioral economics. But one of the things we did, I worked with a professor who was doing um, stuff about seatbelt usage. And, you know, it was like, why don't people wear seatbelts? This is when seatbelt laws were new and somewhat controversial. And one of the things that you would get a lot of times was if I'm wearing a seatbelt, I can't sort of get out of the car at the last minute or be thrown from danger, which assuredly from the research was like the, the, the surest way to meet a gruesome end rather than, you know, being encased in several thousand pounds of steel with, with, with safety features. And, and that I always that always sticks with me is that the idea that I can, you know, time this at the last possible yeah. second and jump out of the mm-hmm. way. It, it's 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 fallacious if you're in if you're in an automobile. It's also but I think it's just as just as much of a fallacy if you're in if you're in the markets. 
But this is really, really interesting that you say this because we talked about this also back in March with that rally that we both believed was a bear market rally. And that was that I'm really good at timing tops because I can see distribution, right? Big picture, mm -hmm. trend swing, you know, day time frame. But, um, event, but the bottoms are events. So when yes. you talk about the 2018, I remember very specifically October 3rd, uh, the 10 year was 3.2%. And I warned mm -hmm. this is going to cause emerging market panic. And I remember that we pulled back 20% into the 12-23 Christmas Eve massacre, it was called, yep. right? After we had a 20% pullback and Manchin called the banks, right? Yep. So, and then the FOMC, I mean, the, the next meeting in um, the, the rest is history. Yeah. That was an yep. event that saved the markets. Bank of Japan, you know, even on, on Friday, the 21st, saved the markets along with Yellen's, you know, we're Bank. talking about talking about treasury buybacks. Bank so, of England, Bank of England, I'm just going to interject Bank of England on September 28th or whatever it was. So, yes, yes. Yep, exactly. And the, the intervention now is becoming expected, but it's also because it's, it's, it's diminishing returns. They're not able to really give anything more than these short duration traders, be it retail or institutional, you know, cover. And then the CTAs, you know, buy the cover and the whole thing then tops out and it short the rip again. So it's extremely tradable, but it also makes it more fragile, right? So when we have these once in a lifetime uh, intraday spikes in SPX, we had one that was, I don't know, 5% back on the 13th, right? We were negative 1900 ticks and then we turned around to positive 1900 mm -hmm. ticks in a New York minute. This is not, this is not stability in the yeah. market. So yes, I think that this is the danger where um, when I start to see the, the ground give sway is when I warn clients, hey, brace for impact if bulls don't defend here. This is a really good place to have some crash protection. In the same way, we've got this meeting tomorrow and we have a technical bounce underway that could absolutely bring us higher, like I said, you know, mm -hmm. 4130. But th the reality of the fact is that it, we also have no one really properly hedged. <laughs> yeah. So they've been doing this, uh, you know, systematic mechanical buying. And the, the, the rub is if yields do start to take off, and then we're absolutely going to be in a situation where the extremes, given, you know, everyone rushed to buy the upside, skew is so depressed, VIX is also, uh, you know, very, very low, relatively speaking, to the recent cycle, then downtown, down the, then the downside tail has been forgotten. And that can actually present a good value, right, for buying protection into this event. So that's where I really kind of see where inflation is not going away still, all eyes on the Fed. Nothing's really changed as it relates to the, the, the macro, the fundamental, uh, or my intermarket, interestingly enough. All we've had is some short-term, short covering of size that basically stresses bears out who are holding puts and, and traps bulls who are chasing because of FOMO, which is a disease, I agree. <laughs> Well, one of the things it's, it's interesting uh, that to me is um, I think one of the tells you, you, you mentioned VIX and we're going to we're going to end with VIX because I, I want, you know, I want to keep this like 20 ish minutes and you and I've talked for 20 minutes and haven't even come up for air because it's been such a good conversation. So I hope the listeners like yeah. it. And they'll also will they'll find out if we're smart or stupid about the Fed, because this will probably this will air after the Fed meeting. But yeah. um, going, you know, one of the one of the tells in October was that VIX was not moving inversely with S&P. And that to me was the tell that it was the, you know, that was FOMO driven, that people were coming for calls 
and because these rallies were so violent on the upside. Um, but as we, and I think that as we're taping this, we've sort of reverted more back to normal. The mark, you know, and VIX has come off. It's got a 25 handle as we're taping this. What's your opinion? My feeling is that VIX, VIX sort of needs to be no less than the no less than the high 20s on a sustainable basis with the volatility that has been persisting and with the fed with the fed continuing to be a headwind let's wrap up with your sort of take take vix into the end of the year kind of thing do you think it's you mentioned you think it's a little low right now do you think where do you think it goes not yeah i'm not going to say and i'm not asking you it's going to be 2802 on december 30th. no no i actually have very specific levels of this, oh. so uh, i actually <laughs> yeah i love okay. 2510 okay um, 25 dollars and 10 cents as a as a place of support and bounce um i love 31 which is typically uh, it gets up to that 31 and then snakes around it and comes back below below is obviously market bullish above is not and once it does get not just back above 31, but above 34, 35, then I see a very large volatility move. You know, in the meantime, this is basically uh, an FOMC meeting like this is volatility suppression, right, at its finest. And it does this repeatedly. So we basically have this this situation where um, every rally has been sold as soon as Powell gets to the podium. So Jackson Hole, Top Talk, um, we definitely have, have had multiple equity rallies uh, on the, the back of this perceived uh, easing. And then Powell comes up and says, not so fast, right? So it's really a situation where I think we're going to, those are my levels, literally 25, 31, and then anything above 34 and a half, kind of like get under the desk. But the point is it, 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 that for me means there's going to be a, a continuation of this Fed hiking regime for longer. So maybe the the pace slows, that's not a pivot, right? It, it might be a step down, but it, the problem doesn't go away. And if they step down too much, the market will let them know, especially in the form of oil. So I think right now, Apple, very much a tell for the generals. Um, volatility stays suppressed. I'm not you know, so concerned about that. Definitely FX, currencies are a major warning, especially the dollar yen. And I think oil right now has been subdued but uh, it will be your release valve with the dollar on any Fed pause, pivot, pandering there is. I don't. I think the market will absolutely um, be reminded. Well, I was going to ask you to wrap it up, but I think you just did. So, <laughs> so I think what I think you didn't ask me about midterm elections because I have no idea, no opinion. I think that's definitely a wild card. Uh, for sure. I, I'm staying away partly because this might not air until after the, mid, the midterm elections and partly because nobody knows what's going on on those. So yeah. at, at this point. So I think you you put everything in such a neat bow. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to my guest, Samantha LaDuke of LaDuke Trading. I'm Steve Sostick at Interactive Brokers. You've been listening to IBKR Podcasts. You could find IBKR podcasts on the internet or on your favorite podcast provider. I assume you're already listening, actually. I write daily at tradersinsight.news. Um, Samantha is a must follow on Twitter, and I do. And, you know, she and I go back and forth on Twitter sometimes, but that, I think that's a healthy dialogue. And um, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for joining us, Samantha. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we'll, hear, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcast.com.
And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBQR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the Characteristics and Risks of Standardized Options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. There is a substantial risk of loss in foreign exchange trading. The settlement date of foreign exchange trades can vary due to time zone differences and bank holidays. The interest rate on borrowed funds must be considered when computing the cost of trades across multiple markets. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at ibkr.com.